Malala was born into a land where people fire rifles to celebrate the birth of sons not daughters. Pashtuns are a proud tribe situated between Afghanistan and Pakistan. They see the birth of a daughter as a bad omen. When Malala was born at dawn, the villagers only congratulated her mother but not her father. They believe that daughters should be hidden away because females only have one role in life, for example they were expected to cook meals and give birth to children. Her father loved her nonetheless. He named Malala after the greatest heroine of Afghanistan, Malalai of Maiwand. A fierce maiden who was the daughter of a shepherd in Maiwand. She went to the battlefield to tend to injured Afghan soldiers during their battle with British soldiers. She died on the battlefield, but her bravery and words inspired them to win one of the biggest battles of the Second Anglo-Afghan War. Malala's father never got tired of telling the story of Malalai to everyone that visited his home in the Swat Valley. I was a girl in a land where rifles are fired in celebration of a son, while daughters are hidden away behind a curtain, their role in life simply to prepare food and give birth to children. In the olden times, Swat was known as Udiana, which means garden. It has fields full of juicy fruits, rivers, fields of flowers, etc. Today, Swat is in the province of Khyber Pakhtunkhwa. When India gained independence from Britain in 1947, Swat remained a part of Pakistan but they had a wali that maintained peace between tribes and collected tax. Malala and her family lived in Mingora, the only city in the valley. Buddhism used to be the only religion in the valley but all that changed in the 11th century when Sultan Mahmud of Ghazni took over leadership. He brought Islam to the valley. Things were not so rosy when Malala was born. Her family was so poor. They lived in a shack opposite the school founded by her father and his friend. Two years later, they had a son, Kushal who became mum's favorite. Five years later, another boy was born, Adil. Their small family was complete. Like most Swat people, Malala's family belonged to the Yusufzai tribe, one of the largest Pashtun tribes who originated from Kandahar and they can be found in both Afghanistan and Pakistan. In the 16th century, the Swat ancestors fled from a massacre in Kabul. A Timurid emperor got envious about the Yusufzai chief's power and decided to kill them before they overthrow him. Two survived and fled to Swat. They fell in love with the valley and stayed there. The Yusufzai shared the land with the men of the tribe. They used a system known as Wesh. Families would swap lands after five to ten years to allow everyone to work on both good and bad land. Khans ruled the villages and each Khan had hundreds of armed men that loot and raid other villages. The constant feuds led to bloodshed between the Khans, so they appointed Miangul Abdul Wadud as a king and he managed to restore peace in the valley. In 1926, he was appointed as the Wali and became recognized as the head of state by the British. In 1969, the Wali surrendered his power and the valley became a part of the northwest frontier province in Pakistan. So, Malala sees herself as a Swati, then Pashtun, and finally as a Pakistani. At a young age, she decided to stray from the traditional path for females in her valley. While the boys roam the street, the women have to stay indoors and serve the family. Her father, Ziauddin Yusufzai encouraged her to fly free like a bird. In Spal Bandi, women were not hidden away and they were free to do as they please. Malala's mother, Tor Pakai Yusufzai was illiterate. Initially, at the age of six, she was pumped and excited about being the only girl in her classroom. But, she left school when she realized that she will eventually end up just like a wife who cooks and clean the home. She regretted this decision when she met her husband. 
He was well educated and would write so many poems to her but she couldn't read any. She decided to help him achieve his dream of owning a school. Ziauddin Yusufzai had big dreams but he had no money or contacts to get started. It was hard for him to actualize his dream. He considered himself lucky to have attended a school. Even though it was a small building with no tables, chairs, or toilets. The students sit on bare ground for the classes. For him, education is a precious gift. He believed that both boys and girls from poor and rich homes should be allowed to go to school. But Ziauddin Yusufzai's father, Baba, had a dream that differed from his own. He wanted his son to become a doctor who would earn enough to take care of the household. His elder brother, Saeed Ramzan, was a teacher who lived from paycheck to paycheck. He usually helps Baba to clear snow and take care of the buffaloes. Luck shone on him when he gained admission to do his A-levels at Jahanzeb College, the best school in Swat at that time. Tuition was free but he needed money for living expenses. Baba refused to give him any. His mother had just died and he had nowhere else turned to. His left hope was his brother-in-law but he also refused to house him in Karachi. In Siwar, you could find tribes such as Kohistanis, Gujars, and Mians. Only the Mians were seen as noble people with lands, the Kohistanis and Gujars were known as peasants, hilly people that rear buffaloes. Pashtuns look down on them and teachers do not like being posted to schools in that region. However, Saeed Ramzan liked and respected them the hilly people. He went to school dutifully daily and taught the children. With nothing to do after graduation, Ziauddin Yusufzai started helping his brother at that local school. One day, he met his aunt's husband in the village, Nasir Pacha, who offered him accommodation when he heard about the admission at Jahanzeb. They become his second family. He stayed in their house in Spalbandi where he saw women that lived differently from those in his village, they had the freedom and went out by themselves. With no money to equip the school, he got into more debt and people were constantly sending letters to demand their money. Ziauddin's college time started at a vital point in Pakistan's history when dictator General Zia had just been killed in a plane crash. Under General Zia's regime, student organizations were banned. Once he died, the organizations became active. College national elections were held and Benazir Bhutto, the daughter of the executed prime minister, won and became the first female prime minister. There was hope for the future after all. Soon, Ziauddin joined student politics and became the general secretary of Pakhtun Student Federation PSF. Islami Jamaat-e-Talaba was the other main student organization, the student wing of a powerful religious party in many Pakistani universities, Jamaat-e-Islami. They gave grants and textbooks to students but have intolerant views on other religions. In Jahanzeb College, Isan ul Haq Haqqani was the president of the student group. In the first year, the problem started when Salman Rushdie published a book titled The Satanic Verses as a parody of the Prophet's life in Bombay. Muslims in Pakistan were angry. Some days later, Iran's supreme leader, Ayatollah Khomeini ordered for the assassination of Rushdie. Heated debates were also happening at the college. Ziauddin agreed that the book was offensive to Islam but he believed in freedom of speech. After his graduation from college, he started teaching English in a famous private college but he wasn't earning enough. Tired of the strict rules and regulations at the college, he and his friend, Muhammad Naeem Khan started an English school in Mingora. There was low demand for English tuition so they were struggling to make ends meet. They had to love in a shack that they built opposite the school. Ziauddin's political ties didn't help matters. 
His activist friends would turn up at the shack with no prior notice. Pashtuns have no respect for privacy. Naeem couldn't take it anymore but luckily another old college friend, Hidayatullah stepped in and took Naeem's place. Things got worse from that point on. They keep borrowing money with no income. The flood destroyed everything in their home and school two times. Mala was born on July 12, 1997, and their luck finally changed. The number of students increased to 100. There was finally money to pay teachers' salaries and pay rent but only a little remained for food. Eventually, Hidayatullah left with some students to start their own school. One afternoon in September 2001, there was a great commotion in the valley and people learned that a building was bombed in New York. Malala was four years old at this time. Pakistan was under dictatorship, but Americans required their assistance to find the terrorists responsible for bombing the World Trade Center. Malala was interested in politics from a young age. She would listen attentively to the endless political discussions between her father and his friends. Whenever Ziauddin was at home, he and his friends would chat about politics from dusk to dawn. The attack on the World Trade Center was the main subject of their discussions. At that time, Osama bin Laden was the leader of al-Qaeda and he had been living in Kandahar when 9-11 happened. So, Americans sent their soldiers to Afghanistan to apprehend him and defeat the Taliban regime offering him protection. Many religious people in the valley looked up to Osama bin Laden as a hero. They saw 9-11 as revenge on Americans for their wrongdoings. One thing that escaped their mind was that innocent people were killed in the center and the Holy Quran is against killing. Pashtuns were not happy about being caught in between. General Musharraf made it clear that he had to cooperate with the Americans to prevent them from lashing out at SWAT. In Malala's province, Maulana Sufi Muhammad issued a ruling against the U.S. Over 12,000 SWAT men went to help the Taliban but they never returned. Their families are still longing for their return. Osama bin Laden ran from eastern Afghanistan to Kurram. He took advantage of the Pashtunwali Hospitality Code and spent a year hiding in a remote village in Swat. In their campaign against al-Qaeda, Americans gave millions of dollars to Pakistan. General Musharraf used the money to build fancy houses in Islamabad and London. The Americans were happy when they caught the top leaders of the terrorist group. For instance, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed was caught as the mastermind behind 9-11. President Bush became good friends with General Musharraf and showered him with praise. The Pashtuns were disgusted by all this. Malala wanted to help people, especially the children that were too poor to go to school. Even if they were enrolled in the school for free, their families would go hungry because they were the breadwinners. Feeling helpless, Malala wrote a letter about her predicament to God but had no idea how to deliver it. In the end, she rolled it and placed it in the Swat River where she believed God will find it. Anyone with a turban on his head can call himself a mufti but a half-learned mufti is a danger to faith. Pakistan has many strands of Islam. The founder, Jinnah, wanted Muslims to have rights in India, a country full of Hindus. This led to the division of British India in August 1947, the birth of an independent Muslim state. Many Muslims tried to cross the new border but most were murdered by the Hindus. Now, over 96% of the people in Pakistan are Muslims. Shias and Sunnis are the two main groups of Muslims. They share the same beliefs but do not agree on the right leader for the religion. The Sunnis believe in following the Prophet Muhammad while the Shias believe in following Ali, the son-in-law of the Prophet. 
Shias would cut themselves with blades and metal chains to commemorate the killing of Hussein ibn Ali. A man named Ghulamullah was living opposite Malala's home and waged war against the school. He believed girls should not be going to school. The Arabization of Pakistan didn't help matters. Many young men went to madrasas funded by Saudi money. Jihadi groups were free to do as they please. They openly accept contributions and recruit men. When Malala was 10 years old, the Taliban arrived in Swat. Their leader, Maulana Fazlullah created an illegal radio station. He said that the sinful acts of people lead to the recent earthquake. In countries like Pakistan, only some people understood the original Arabic. Maulana Fazlullah exploited this ignorance and started fooling people. Mullahs are fond of misinterpreting the Hadith and Quran to fit their own beliefs. A year later, Fazlullah's men started killing Khans and political activists. They also destroyed the Buddha's statues, a part of Swat's history. Before long, they took control of the villages and the police officers fled to avoid getting killed. To restore peace in Pakistan, the Americans asked General Musharraf to step down so that Benazir Bhutto, the ex-Prime Minister's daughter can return from exile and become the Prime Minister. She symbolizes the end of dictatorship and the start of democracy as well as being a beacon of strength and hope for the world. That democratic dream was cut short on December 27. She died when a suicide bomber blew himself up beside her car while she was addressing an election rally in Liaquat Bog. The more interviews she gave, the more confidence she gained and the more support she received from her people. Ziauddin and his friends spoke up against the havoc that the Taliban was committing in Swat Valley. He motivated Malala to speak up for her rights. So, she started speaking for her rights and for other girls. In retaliation, the Taliban blew up the two biggest schools, Excelsior College and Sangota Convent School. In total, they destroyed about 400 schools by the end of 2008. Then, Maulana Shah Doran who was the deputy of Fazlullah announced that all the schools for girls will be closed. Children in the valley were no more playing hide-and-seek games, instead, they were playing army versus Taliban because of the high number of killings and death in Pakistan. One day, Ziauddin got a call from his friend Abdul High Cocker who was working as a BBC radio correspondent in Peshawar. He was on a search for a young girl or school teacher who could write a diary about life under the Taliban. Malala took up the offer and chatted with in Urdu was about 45 minutes daily. He would then write up the conversation and publish it on the BBC Urdu website. Due to the risk involved, High Cocker gave Malala a pseudonym, Ghul Makai. The diary became popular and Malala realized that a pen is mightier than machine guns. On 14 January, the girls' schools were closed. The Taliban believed that children become westernized when they read books or spoke English. Several days later, Malala and her family were bundled into their neighbor's car, they left Swat Valley without hope of ever returning. They became internally displaced persons IDPs on 5 May, 2009. When they arrived in Mardin, Ziauddin's family had to catch a lift to their family village in Shangal because they didn't have a family in Mardin. Luckily, the army managed to eradicate the Taliban in Swat Valley. Malala and her family returned home on 24 July, 2009. Fazlullah was at large, only a few of his men were captured by the army. Even though the valley looked like a ghost town, Malala and her family were happy to be back home. Gradually, people returned to Swat Valley. The Taliban storm was over but the aftereffect still lingered as the Taliban is a mentality that is already in most people's mind.
The Taliban is not a structured force like most people imagined. It is a mentality affecting the minds of people in Pakistan. The Taliban has infected the people, especially those that dislike Americans, the English law, and the Pakistan establishment. One late evening, Ziauddin received a call about his friend, Zahid Khan getting shot the face. Luckily, the bullet went through his nose and didn't cause much harm. Everyone, including Ziauddin himself, knew he was the next target. But he refused to be quiet. To keep Malala safe, she was asked to stop walking home as she could be a target too. She had to start going to and fro school with a rickshaw or bus. No one saw it coming. One Tuesday afternoon, two men jumped in front of the bus driving the children back from school and fired bullets into Malala's face. The bus driver swiftly drove to the SWAT Central Hospital when he realized what had happened. A CT scan revealed that the bullet went through her forehead but didn't touch her brain. An army helicopter was sent to take her to a Lady Reading Hospital in Peshawar. Another CT scan was done and it showed that the bullet had caused bone particles to enter and damage the brain membrane. So many people gathered outside the hospital to sympathize with the family. Shortly after, the Taliban took responsibility for the attack on Malala. They claimed that she was promoting Western culture in the valley. A week after the shooting, on 16 October, Malala woke up bewildered and confessed about everything. She was far away from home and without her family. The army carried out door-to-door -door searches and found 22 Taliban who had been living in Mingora for over two months, the same Taliban that the army had reportedly removed from the valley. Sixteen days after the shooting, her family was flown to Birmingham to visit Malala. The Taliban had failed in killing her, but they had stolen her smile. Surgeon Richard Irving did an operation over eight hours to repair Malala's damaged facial nerves and left eardrum. After three months, Malala started to smile again. She was discharged from the hospital in 2013 to live with her family in their new apartment located in Birmingham. Conclusion Today, SWAT is more peaceful than other regions but the military is everywhere to be on the lookout for the Taliban. The SWAT Valley is no more tourist sanctuary, now it is a place of fear. So many things taken for granted in most countries like freedom of religion, freedom of speech, the right to get an education are only a dream to most people in countries like Pakistan. Malala is now 16 years old and continues to speak for the rights of girls to go to school without being scared of being blown up. She has made a full recovery and currently resides in England with her family. Don't let anyone look down on you because of your gender. Speak up when people are facing discrimination because of their tribe, religion or skin color. If you fear for your life, use a pseudonym to write about your experience and publish it online where the world can see it.